Hi friends, you are listening to episode number three of Dear Past Thank You. My guest today is a high school friend and former coworker. She joins me to share her emotional story of abuse, loss, trauma, and divorce. I am so grateful for this opportunity to spend time with her and talk about her story and 43-year journey. I just have to say that throughout high school, this girl was always smiling. She had the best sense of humor and was just so fun to be around. Even to this day, she is still full of life and so are her kids. I love her energy, her philanthropy, her love for people, and her love for life. Enjoy the episode. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining um, episode three of Dear Past Thank You. I am here with my friend, Allison, and I'm really excited for you to hear her story. She has an amazing story. Um, So Allison is joining me today from Washington State. And for those of you that know me, I grew up in Washington, and so that's how I know Allison. Um, Allison and I went to the same high school together, but um, it was really uh, our job that connected us and how we became friends. Um, So we worked at Children's World together for several years. And I mean, that was kind of a, we could probably tell you stories that would (laughs) would crack you up about that. But anyway, I'm going to go ahead and Allison, you can introduce yourself. And again, thank you so much for joining me today. You bet. Thanks, Sonia. And would you believe that I now have a child who works at a daycare? So everything (laughs) comes full circle. So I feel like we're still 17 and I'm not old enough to have a child working at a daycare, but um, yes, thank you, Sonia, for having me. And um, I am a full-time single mom to three awesome kids. Um, I own a few businesses. I run a couple nonprofits. I am just a mom who's trying to get through, and that's kind of what I do every day. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been following you on social media for several years and, um, you know, through, I mean, I guess, I don't know, I've been on Facebook for maybe, I don't know, nine years, something like that. So however long you've been on Facebook, that's how long I've been following you. Um, and you know, just, we kind of see on social media, our, our kids grow up and we have some kids that are, um, you know, similar ages. So that's been fun to just, you know, relate to you on whatever your kids are going through. And I'm like, you know, yeah, as a mom, I feel that too. So it's been, it's been great, but, um, you have been through quite a ride over the last, how many years would you say that is? Like how 43. Old? <laughs> 43 years? Yeah, no, yeah. If we're um, being honest, yes, 43 yeah, years. <laughs> if we're being honest. Um, you know, that is a that is a interesting question. Cause if you would have asked me that two or three years ago, I would have said the last maybe six years since um we had a life-changing accident. But in hindsight now, I would say um I had different pockets of my life that were tough years, and it's how I chose to react to those, Um, but I would say the heartbreak, turmoil, and, um, sorry, here we go, haven't even barely started. (laughs) That's Um, okay. Escaping, for lack of a better word, um, abuse and torment would probably be the last four years. Okay. That my kids and I have really been, uh, in, in a hard place. Yeah. 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 Um, well, thank you so much. And I know that this is like super emotional. And like I've said in my podcast before, talking about your past isn't easy and you know, it, it brings up a lot of just, you know, emotions and triggers that, um, you know, don't, don't feel great, but before we actually get started, I'm going to jump back a little bit because I want to, first of all, I want to share with you why I asked you to be on this podcast. And then, um, I'll ask you why you decided to do this. And so I'll go first really quick. Um, I, I wanted you to be on this podcast specifically because my podcast is called Dear Past Thank You. And I know that you have had, you know, some struggles in your past. And for me, actually just learning that it, it goes back several, several, several years. And so um, I just think that you, for you to put yourself out there on social media has been just so like courageous. And for you to be able to share your story and because you want to help others. Like I'm just, 
I'm amazed. I just think that it is so amazing. And you've put out there more than most people would. And so even for me watching you, you know, kind of go through this, um, through the things that you've gone through, I, you know, I've been so inspired and that was one of the reasons, um, you know, I decided to do this. So, so go ahead and, uh, I'll let you go now. <laughs> go ahead and share why, why you decided to say yes. Um, I decided to say yes, and the reason I decided to start sharing more of my story on social media and helping others is um, when I first found myself in the situation of um, being a single mom of three kids who was left a penny in the bank, um, who lost most of the support around her. Um, Culturally in my religion, what I was saying and doing was not what a lot of people wanted to hear. Um, there's no way this person could be doing this to me and later to my children. Um, but he was such a great guy. Um, it was, for lack of a better word, not acceptable um, for me to take a stand. And I think a lot of that was my preconceived um, notions of what, but, and we can get into that more later, but I did find that there were many people who did want to support me. Maybe not the people that were supposed to, but there were many people that did. And, um, it was through social media and friends connecting me to other people and accounts and that I was able to sit in those really dark really dark okay scary first days and just know that i was not alone yeah that i was gonna be okay and so i knew that what my children and i had been going through and continue to go through i didn't want it to be in vain right and i didn't want it to be for nothing and so i had a job to do to share and let other people know you're not alone yeah absolutely and you you mean like we we need supporters and sometimes those supporters aren't our family members aren't our closest friends sometimes those supporters can be strangers and can be those people absolutely yeah so um yeah, yeah that's awesome thank you for sharing that um okay so let's kind of give um the audience a little bit of a backstory on okay. um where your story begins and you you start wherever you want okay um you know i like i said before i do a lot of therapy i've worked with a amazing life coach who works with trauma and marriage um but to be honest and fair my story started when i was a small child and um i if you like you probably saw from the outside looking in yes we had some hard things we went through um in our marriage of almost 19 years yes we had some things but i'm a happy person i'm a happy person i love life i love being happy i love enjoying life and i decided that i was not going to let things that had happened to me um shape me for somebody that i felt like maybe somebody who's gone through a lot of trauma or hard things should look like i decided that i wasn't going to wear my trauma on my sleeve i wasn't going to wear my hard things I went through on my sleeve. I was going to wear life. I was going to be happy and I was going to raise three happy kids. Well, um, I had to go back working through all this and I had to go back to my childhood. And, um, unfortunately, um, the abuse that I left brought my childhood abuse and trauma into, um, that. And so, I'll back up a little bit so it makes sense, but okay. um, I was abused as a young child from an extended family member, and um, I didn't acknowledge, I didn't want to talk about it, I didn't want it to be who I was, mm -hmm. even as like a teenager, and, and it wasn't until I developed an eating disorder in high school. And I was trying to have some control in my life. Mm -hmm. And you, you may even remember a little bit of this, but I got very thin in high school. I got um, 
I wanted control. I wanted control of my life. And mm-hmm. um, I come from a family of tall, thin, blonde. And I have always been that um, person that people say, who do you belong to? You know, you go get family pictures and they're like, who are you married to? And I'm like, I'm one of them, you know? And yeah. um, I, you hear the saying that as parents, we do the best we can. We give ourselves some grace. And, and I go back and forth with that of, do we really do the best we can all the time? And I think sometimes we um, take that as a way out right. for not doing a fully good job. And some things were said to me um, in my childhood about the way I looked, mm-hmm. um, not just by my immediate family, but extended family and family friends and grandparents. And um, I remember hearing a couple of times, no matter what size you are, you'll always have a pretty face. And that has stuck with me through 43 years. And yeah. so um, as I was not dealing with my childhood trauma and abuse, I was controlling the one thing that I thought would make people like me more or love me more. Um, and I struggled for a few years. And it wasn't until I went away to college that I realized that I um and, and, and to give you a little, to make it even more complicated at that time, um, I realized I was diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome because no matter how much little I ate, exercised three times a day, um, the weight started coming back on and I was so frustrated and I couldn't figure out why. And um, that is, you know, having struggling with losing weight is one of those things. So I was diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome. I was told that having babies would be really hard, that I would wow. never be thin that I would just have to kind of suck it up and be fine with how I was. Well, that wasn't a, that wasn't a good am- right answer for me. So yeah. I again dived back into that eating disorder and I wasn't going to let anyone dictate what my life looked like. Mm-hmm. And um, at this time I was away at school and things were not going well. I had spent my whole inheritance from my grandpa going to school that I didn't really want to go to, but I was mm-hmm. told that's what you're supposed to do at this stage and what you're supposed to be doing. And, um, I started to get help for, um, what had happened to me as a child. Mm -hmm. And I didn't tell anyone in my family. I didn't tell anyone I was getting help. I didn't tell anyone what was going on, but I moved home when I realized I needed to stop doing things for everybody else, whether it was going to college, whether it was Um, getting this degree or that degree or taking these classes. Um, And I moved home and I told my family, my parents and my older siblings. And I remember that night very vividly. And I said, I don't want to talk about the details. I've worked through it. I worked through it with um, a therapist Mm -hmm. when I was away at school and it was done for me. It was done. Like that yeah. was not going to be a part of my life. Like I had worked through it. I wasn't angry. I wasn't, I just wasn't part of me anymore. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, went through, I dated a lot. I was, um, had a career that I loved and I had broken off a couple of relationships and had one broken off with me that was heartbreaking. And so I just decided it was time for me. And I was like swearing off guys and I'm not going to date. I'm just going to, you know, work on me and my career. And I got really into running. And um, then it always happens when you least expect it. And I met um, my ex-husband at that time. And um, it was a whirlwind romance. We fell hard. We fell fast. Mm -hmm. We dated for four months. We got engaged after four months and we were married four months later. So wow. um, that's kind of how we do it in Mormon land when you know, you know, and you don't wait. <laughs> so, um, you know, I reflecting back, see some red flags um, that I at the time was young and dumb and uh, he was very young. He was three years younger than I was. So and you know, hindsight is a crazy crazy thing to look back. Um, but I truly loved this person with all my heart Yeah. and no matter what was about to come, we were going to survive it. So we, he hadn't gone to college yet. So we moved back to Provo, Utah and he went to BYU, Brigham Young University. And I worked, 
I worked hard. I put him through school. Um, we suffered our first miscarriage mm. um, while we were there. And um, that was devastating. I miscarried at home by myself. Wow. Um, and for even at that time for you to like get get pregnant, you didn't, the doctors told you that you didn't, you weren't ever going to be able to have children, right? Yeah. And so we talked about it and we talked about how he comes from 11 children. I came from six. Um, we knew it was going to be hard. We knew that it would take probably some extra measures and we just knew that it wasn't something we could do when we were in school probably because it would be expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, so I worked really hard to get him through school and we suffered our first miscarriage. Um, it was a little bit later term. So I delivered at home, which was wow. very traumatic. Um, and then, um, found out I was pregnant again. So we were like, you know, I, I truly believe that this doesn't always happen, but I, I was going to have babies. Like that was my, like, I was going to have kids. Cause that's what I felt like I being a mom is hands down the best thing that has ever happened to me. <laughs> Sorry, I am like. No, I'm you are totally here. fine. You are totally fine. So, um, we got pregnant again, and um, found a better doctor. I knew that I needed some early, you know, intervention type stuff, and for whatever was going on. And um, again, there was no heartbeat, but I was. I just kept saying they're wrong. They're wrong. They're yeah. wrong. So I flew home to Seattle to see a better doctor to see, mm -hmm. um, you know, that we have a mutual, you know, uh, friend whose dad is an OBGYN who actually delivered all three of, um, helped deliver all three of my babies, which I know is weird, but I didn't know that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Check everyone helped deliver all three of my babies, but, um, flew home to get some answers. My parents were like, we need to get some answers for you. We need a good doctor. And so I flew home and I started seeing a doctor in his office. And she said, Allison, there is no heartbeat. And um, I again delivered. Wow. Pretty late term on my parents' bathroom floor. Oh my goodness. Because nobody was going to tell me that that baby wasn't there till it wasn't there. And right. I wanted to do DNCs and I was like, no, this is a process I need to go through. So um, I went through that, flew back to, to Provo and um, <clears throat> suffered another shorter term miscarriage, you know, only a couple weeks oh um, and decided that we needed to come home, that mm -hmm. he needed to finish his schooling here, that I needed to be, having a family was our number one priority at that time. And he could go to school anywhere. So we yeah. came home, we moved home and, um, I started seeing a doctor here. He transferred school, um, got a job and we started to look into adoption and I thought I can't do this anymore for whatever reason, my body's broken. And at that time I connected it to what had happened in my childhood. And I thought my body's broken. Mm -hmm. Um, and I had the, best, sweetest doctor who, you know, assured me that's not what was going on or, you know, I had done something wrong and I was being punished. And, um, I got pregnant when we started looking through, through adoption and it was, I got pregnant with my Sophie girl mm -hmm. and it was interesting how we started looking into the adoption process. And I found out I was pregnant and they immediately put me on some medications that my body needed to stay pregnant. Um, it was a hard pregnancy, but I, have the most amazing almost 16 year old ever. Um, I suffered miscarriages in between each of my three children. Wow. So I've been pregnant a total of eight times. My goodness. Um, so that was, that was a hard um, journey for us. That was really hard. Um, but I thought we survived this. We survived all of this. We're going to be okay. So we um, started our own business. We, um, I, Lucy was a little bit of a surprise. I didn't think I would get pregnant with Lucy. She's been a surprise ever since the day I had her. <laughs> um, we started our own business and then in 2008, the economy crashed. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's when things started to take 
a, a turn and we had picked out a house. We were going to buy our first house. I was pregnant with Lucy. Um, and overnight, um, I was told our business had to close. He said, we have to close overnight. And I was Wow. devastated. I was like, what are we going to do? I'm pregnant with my third child. What are we going to do? Um, we had to pay all of our employees. There was nothing left for us. Um, I just was in what, what are we going to do? And so my anxiety started to just kind of take over. I had two small children. Oh, I was pregnant with my third. We had no income. And so we, he took a job, um, with the union, which was a huge blessing. Um, but we decided, or then in 2009, I was, or maybe it was 2008, December, he was laid off from the union. Um, their work was drying up in commercial as well as in residential. And so mm -hmm. um, we decided he should go back to school. He should go back and finish what we left. And um, we had three kids under the age of five. And um, we packed up everything. We sold everything we packed up and we went back for him to go back to BYU. And while we were there, um, I decided that he just, he wanted to go to grad school. And so, um, I decided I didn't want to go back into corporate stuff when my children were in school. I wanted to be able to be the room mom and I wanted to be able to be flexible. And so I put yeah. myself through hair and aesthetic school at night. Um, wow. I left at five. Um, he would get home kind of early. So we would have kind of the afternoons together and we would be together as a family and then um i would leave at five the kids were little so they'd go to bed about seven so he had them for like two hours awake um i would go to school till 10 30 at night every night oh, goodness and um and then i would get home and he would go work nights as security at the college so it was crazy but as i look back at that time it was probably the best time of our marriage like we had mm -hmm. nothing we were dirt poor um, but it was also probably some of the best times. Um, we moved back, he graduated and, um, decided he didn't want to go to grad school. And we moved back to Seattle in 2012 and, um, he went back to construction, which was really hard for me because we had worked so hard. Mm -hmm. Um, but I wanted to be supportive of whatever, you know, and I knew that I could always work and, um, do whatever we needed to do to live in Seattle, which is so ridiculously expensive. So <laughs> crazy. So we moved back. Um, I started my own hair and skin business. I was, had a little salon in my house. Things were going really well. His job was going well. We still were talking about possibilities of grad school and how that would look. And, um, and in 2013, um, my life, My life changed. It's okay. Take Sorry. your time. No, take your time. We had um, started doing triathlons together when we were at school and the kids were little. It's kind of a way to do something together and, um, you know, focus on, you know, the stress and the energy and being, you know, proactive about it. And, um, in 2013, um, I had, while we were still in school, had two hysterectomies, which is another story. Um, oh gosh. and so I was still recovering. I was going to school full time at that point, recovering from two hysterectomies. He had moved back with Henry. So I was by myself in Provo with the girls and, um, so when we moved back and he did this triathlon, he did this one by himself. I was still in recovery. And um, he hit a pothole while going down a hill on his bike and was ejected from his bike and hit a utility post. Um, was very severely injured, mm -hmm. was revived three times, spent a long time in Harborview. Um, so how old were the kids at this point? The kids were eight, 
uh, almost six, uh, no, nine, almost um, seven and four. Okay. And uh, he woke up angry. Yeah. He woke up um, angry at me. He woke up angry at the world. Um, he did a really good job of masking it out and about. He was still that good guy. He was still that golden boy that everyone told me, I got a good one and you're married to a good one. And mm -hmm. um, I was yelled at in my sleep. I would wake up to him just screaming at me at the top of his lungs. And so this is all as a result of his accident. So this, you know, yeah, but also in higher. hindsight, um, so when I first started seeing my therapist, she said, you know, in 2017, when I told him he had to go, she's like, what happened? I said, I don't know. I came home one day and my world exploded. I don't know. Everything was fine. And it wasn't, it was just me in that survival mode. Mm -hmm. Um, and so because of the accident, I truly believe before the accident, I think uh, there were some tendencies towards narcissistic behavior. Mm -hmm. I think there was some um, issues that were unresolved for him. I think that after the accident, he couldn't control it, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Like, I truly believe he wanted to be a good husband and a good dad. And we had been through so much, yeah. so much that I was like, we can survive anything. Like, right. He was the love of my life. Like mm -hmm. I can survive anything. Um, I now see I probably wasn't always treated the way I should have been. I maybe didn't always treat him the way I should have because um, no excuse, but I wasn't being treated in front of my face and behind my face the way I was supposed to be. And yeah. so um, he woke up angry and there were things like I, you know, when we left Harborview, the social worker said, you both need PTSD therapy. You both need to, you know, they sit you, the social worker sits you down and they give you a list of things you need to do. And, um, I didn't do it cause I thought, Oh, I'm fine. I have overcome so much in my life. What's a little accident. I'm fine. Yeah. Um, but as things started to get bad and behavior started to be more and more concerning, um, I said, you know, like you need to go talk to somebody, you need to get help. You need to get on medication, something like, Mm -hmm. I don't know what's going on here. And it got to the point where, um, I was being gaslighted so much. I was being scapegoated. I was being lied to. I was being screamed. I mean, I, if I bought the wrong milk, I was in trouble. And I kept thinking this has to be because of something else. This can't be because I bought the wrong milk. Right. And, um, one of the things, and I know you, I shared this on social media is I homeschooled my kids. And that mm -hmm. was something that he had always wanted me to do. And you know me, I joked about it and I was like, heck no, I'm not homeschooling my kids. I'm the last person. Well, once yeah. um, we started to, um, you know, our middle child was suffering from quiet ADD and some intense anxiety and Sophie was struggling with some stuff and Lucy was tested highly gifted, but had a, um, uh, dysgraphia and dyslexia and the school wasn't really like helping us as much as I, so I thought, okay, now's the time. And I started to do a lot of research and I learned about self-schooling where it doesn't have to be me sitting down doing the lesson, but you can yeah. do it online and you can, you know, do all these things. There's groups. And so it's something he had always asked me to do. And I finally was like, okay, I closed up my hair and skin business, my facial and hair, and I started homeschooling and I got in trouble because I started two weeks earlier than he wanted me to. Oh. And I'm like, okay, so I can't win here. So that was a big like argument debate. So then, um, he had always wanted to go on, he'd always wanted to travel the U S in a motorhome. And I don't know if you remember me announcing that we I were, do, I do because oh, yes, because you said you were going to come to Nashville and we had just moved here. And I was like, you yeah. have to come and see us. Yes. Yes. I so I that. had in January, 2017, um, things were getting really bad with him. And I thought, what can I do to save this marriage? What can I do to save him? He won't go talk to anybody. He won't do anything. What can I do? And I didn't know at the time through all of this, there had been stuff going on behind my back. There had been searching, um, you know, how to win custody of children against a woman in the state of Washington, wow. how to like fake falsify, you know, stuff. And I 
later doing computer search, you know, searching my computer, I was like, this was going on when I was trying, I was homeschooling. I was saying, okay, fine, we'll go on the motorhome trip. And so we, I earned a trip to Hawaii in January of 2017 through my Rodan and Builds business. And we went as a family and there was always this argument of why it was frivolous or we shouldn't go, even if I had earned it, there was always Mm -hmm. this reason of why. And so um, we sat on the airplane on that trip and we sketched out where we would go in our motorhome. Mm-hmm. And, um, we got home, we sold everything that we owned. Um, we went and picked out motorhomes, we went and did all this stuff. And, uh, when I walked through the door an early day in March of 2017, I was screamed at, I was told that I was a terrible mother. I was told um, we weren't going on the motorhome trip anymore because I didn't do it the way he wanted. He was the man. He was going to control everything. It wasn't my fault because I had a terrible mother and my kids were crying. Um, I sent him upstairs and I said, you have to stop. You need help. And he said that um, he would now be in control of everything. And so um, it escalated and got worse and I could go into so much more. But eventually on March 31st of 2017, I put all of his belongings in black garbage bags. They sent them on the front porch. They said, my children, I sent them a text and I said, I don't care where you go, but my children will never, ever hear you talk to me that way again. Yeah. My children will never think this is okay. My son will never think this is okay. Right. To talk to a woman this way. My girls will never think it's okay to be talked to this way. And yeah. It just, that's when, um, yeah. yeah, and it just got worse and worse and worse, but that's where, um, leading up to my divorce where, where, um, yeah. I came from. So I, um, I think that, I mean, girl, you've been through a lot and I didn't even know like half of the stuff, more than half of the yeah. stuff. So, and the fact that you just, from the outside, I mean, you just keep going and nothing stops you. And even through that marriage and, um, you know, like the highs and the lows of the marriage and, you know, like you said, being dirt poor and you just keep going and going and going. So I want to ask you a question about, um, you know, you kept, like I said, you kept going all the way until you left those bags out on the front porch and told him, you know, go leave, never to come back. Um, but I think that that's huge for you given, you know, kind of like you said, your religion and your background, because that's not what you're supposed to do. You, that is like a big no, no, you, you deal with it and you figure out how you're going to deal with it. So, um, talk to me a little bit about that. Like, you know, how, how that affected you and Um, relationships, like with your, you know, with your family and, you know, your friends. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things I've learned through this process is a separation of people from the actual Institute or gospel of my religion Mm -hmm. and growing up Mormon LDS, um, whatever you want to call it, there's all different names. Um, I saw that you just stick it out. Mm-hmm. You just stick it out. Um, I had a dear friend tell me, unless he cheats or beats, you stay. Wow. And I remember replying back to her, that's the saddest advice anyone's ever given me because mm-hmm. um, I now know, and especially I said, emotional um, is so, I've had every kind of abuse you can think of. I've had every kind of abuse and the mental, emotional, and, um, just is so damaging. The physical goes away. You forget what it felt like. You forget for me at least, but those words still, I fight daily to keep those words out of my head that I was told that I was said to. And so, um, in my religion, um, we were married and sealed in our temple and you, you don't get a divorce. And I, I think I was stuck on the stigma of before and I think things are, we're changing the conversation. And that's one of the things why I've been so vocal about this is that um, we're changing the conversation and that 
abuse is abuse. It doesn't matter what form it takes. It's abuse. And, um, I was scared to death. I was scared to death and I had family members and close friends and I've been blessed with amazing church leaders, but I did have a couple situations where it was awful and, um, that I maybe needed to do something different. Um, we don't believe you. He's been wonderful. You're the problem. There's no way. Um, and that was a very dark, hard place. And I knew deep down that the God that I knew and mm-hmm. that loved me and that loved my children would never condone this behavior. Yeah. I would never want me to stay. And I was so blessed to have, I got angry. I got mm-hmm. really angry at God. I did everything I was supposed to do. I was, you know, followed everything that a good mom and a good wife. And I did all these things I was supposed to do. So why was this happening to my family? Why was mm-hmm. this happening to me? Um, after everything I had been through, everything I'd been through and I did so much hard work, but I, um, now know that the way that people reacted to me is not a reflection of me. It's a reflection of them. Yeah, absolutely. And the way that I was treated, abandoned, whatever you want to call it, um, is not because of me. Mm-hmm. It is because of what's going on with them and where they are. Yeah. And it's been probably the hardest, I would say, of course, losing your marriage and your family, but losing most of your family. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that narcissists and hidden abusers do very well is they set up, they set you up. And so I didn't know for months that people were being told I had a drug problem. I was having affairs. I was, I mean, wow. I jokingly now say if I had a drug problem, I'd be skinny. Listen, I do not have a drug problem. Like I would be sleeping at night. I would be skinny. Like, I mean, having affairs. I was a stay-at-home Mormon mom of three who was homeschooling and running a business out of her home. Like, really? Where? When? And so I was being groomed to be a terrible person for who knows how long before. So my family and friends were being told, church leaders, whatever, were being told these things that were, couldn't be farther from the truth. And even after proving in a court of law at trial these things were not true. And what he did to me, it's hard for people to go back and say, I was wrong. Mm -hmm. I was wrong. And it's caused a lot of loss. Yeah. A lot. But I realized through it all that, um, my relationship with God is stronger than ever. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with me. Nope. That I will not be defined by other people's mistakes. Mm-hmm. And that I, my kids and I talk probably daily about the fact that there is so much good waiting for us Absolutely. because I truly believe that we don't go through these hard things. The hard things I went through in my childhood led me up to being able to handle the things that put me through in my young adult years, which put me through the loss of all those babies, which prepared me for the loss of my marriage, which mm-hmm. prepared me for the my children not having a dad anymore, which prepared me for, I mean, I just feel like everything I went through, every step I went through, and when I chose to rise instead of just crumble, prepared me for what was coming next. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, when I, um, when you share stuff on social media, like not once have I ever, you know, thought, or have you ever said, why me? why does this have to happen to me? You know, like, I mean, mm-hmm. it's so easy for people to just say like, why me? How, like, you know, kind of and play the victim of all of it and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of just sit with that. And like I said, through everything and all this stuff that you're sharing, you know, I never knew. I'm, tons of people have never known because you just go, you, it's, you, you're faced with a problem and you figure out how you're going to get through it and you just go. So, um, and it's not a matter of some people would say it's, it's not that I don't acknowledge it. It's not that I am, am not willing to face it. It's not that I'm stuffing it away and pretending it's not there. It's not that at all. I am so aware. Mm-hmm. It's that I have, and 
somebody recently said, I can't imagine what it's like to be a victim of abuse. And I said, I'm going to kindly ask you to never use that word again. I am yeah. not a victim. I am a thriver. I'm a yeah. survivor and I'm a thriver. And I'm teaching my kids to be survivors and thrivers. So I'm going to kindly ask you not to use that word ever again. Um, because we have two choices at the end of the day. We have, um, we have our, two choices. People say all the time, I don't know how you do it. And I said, we have two choices at the end of the day. We sink or we swim, but I've added a third. Or we get on the diving board and we jump in with both feet, both arms stretching them wide out. And I've told my kids through all of this, we are not a victim of our circumstances. We are not a, I will not be molded and shaped into what has happened to me. I will be molded and shaped into what I'm going to do about it. Yeah. And I will continue to serve and be there for other people because at the end of the day, I can either sit there and be sad for myself and wallow in self-pity and do all those things, or I can get out there and do whatever I can to make other people's day and life a little bit lighter in return selfishly helps me feel better. And so that's kind of our motto, what we live by. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I said to a friend, um, and you know, this, I wanted to start this podcast like six months ago and I just dragged my feet and I just, I, I couldn't get myself to do it in, um, and I felt like, you know, I just wasn't ready. I just wasn't at the point where I felt confident enough and I, I was ready to just, just go for it. And, um, I told a friend about it and I said, you know, I'm just going to do it because, and I'm saying this just because you mentioned it like selfishly, I need this. Like I, we need to all heal together and everybody's past is different mm-hmm. and everybody's situations are different. So by no means am I trying to say like, you know, any of my past situ- situations are like yours, but it's just that community of supporters and mm-hmm. it's those friends that can just, you know, be there and listen and, and, sh- and share. And, you know, you are just doing so many amazing things, taking your experience and, you know, helping other women recognize the signs and recognize like, Hey, you don't have to live this way. There are other ways. And, you know, just helping people navigate through that. So I just mm-hmm. think that, you know, you're doing such an amazing job doing, you know, doing what you're doing. <laughs> And thank you so much for, you know, for sharing all of this and, you know, you've been doing it for a while on social media. And I, I reached out to you a couple of years ago, maybe, yeah, a couple of years ago. And, um, just because I felt like, you know, you, even though we didn't really keep, you know, a close friendship over the years after, you know, high school and all of that, um, there was just, I just felt like a connection to you. And, um, so I'm glad I did that because here we are today. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and I think it's so important. I've had um, hate mail, for lack of a better word. I've had terrible stuff of how dare you, you know, say these things. How dare you? Your children are going to hate you someday. You know, I've had all kinds of stuff thrown at me. And I, the people that shared that I didn't even know before, the people that I was connected to, the life coach that I found, the therapist that I found, all because of what I was going through, because people were willing to share their story. I may still be in a dark, dark place where I thought, what is wrong with me? This doesn't happen to people. This doesn't like, what did I do wrong? Am I not, am I not smart enough? Am I not fun enough? Am I not skinny enough? Am I not beautiful enough? Am I not better wife? Am I, I mean, all these things that were going through my head in the beginning, had people not been willing to share with me that process of figuring out exactly what had happened to me and having, being able to put a name to it and being able to then go research and do all these things to figure out what exactly had happened to me and how to help my children and to know I'm not alone and how to navigate it. If I am quiet, who could I have or will help and Mm -hmm. know that they're not alone and save Mm -hmm. them from a very dark place of, um, what next? Mm -hmm. And that's why I started my next first steps. And that's my way of saying, it's literally just one step at a time and there's going to be some next steps you have to take and it's hard and it's scary, but you're not alone. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I just want to like, I mentioned this kind of in my, my intro, just, you know, the things that you do and, um, you have like, or you mentioned it, you have like five jobs, five different jobs. (laughs) 
um, including the next steps that um, that you've just launched. So aside from Rodan and Fields, you do hair and interior design, and you're like a huge community advocate. Um, and then would, do you mind sharing just what exactly is um, the next few steps and where people can find more information on that? Yes. So um, the kids and I had started a nonprofit called Blessing Bags, and that's for the homeless and children's hospital and stuff. And my oldest kind of took that over. And so as I was looking for another way to um, serve or help, um, I started to get messages from people um, saying, I need help. I'm in this situation. Can you help me navigate this? And um, I decided that I wanted a resource for women who were in my position that I found. Um, I was left with a penny in the bank, no attorney. Um, he had a paid attorney. I was left with bills being shut off because everything wasn't in my name. And I was in this situation where um, I felt stupid. And so for being in that situation, so I wanted something um, to help women navigate. Um, and so I, you know, we, we launched Next First Steps, everything's in the um, process, and we were doing fundraising so that we could help women just get help with filling out paperwork. I remember sitting in the top of King County Superior Court in the law library trying to look up, what does this mean? How do I respond to this? And for the first year, I represented myself, and mm -hmm. I was lucky enough that I had a child that was old enough to babysit, and I was self-employed, and you know, all these things that I could go and I could do that until it got so legal and complicated I had to hire someone but I want women to know what are your rights mm -hmm. um what is okay what is not okay what do I do next do I not sign this I was told to sign things in the beginning that were could have been incredibly detrimental and were um I you know these kind of things and so we are in the process of doing fundraising and those kind of things unfortunately um I'm still helping women and not on a smaller basis but unfortunately because of my own legal um battle and the finance financial burn, burden that has put on me um it's the actual fundraising to provide these services for women has kind of been put on hold but i do have my facebook or my instagram where it's just helping see the signs it's a community where you can send me questions and it's just called next underscore first underscore steps um my personal page allison eastman i share a lot um but my hope in the future is that we have resources for women that they can call or send an email that says i was just served with these papers what does this mean mm -hmm. my you know i had a situation where i he had purchased guns and purchased tried to purchase a home far away that i didn't know i mean i had situations where i had to go to the court and say i need a protection order i need help um this person is out of his mind and so i i had i not had i guess this been smart enough or have the ability to know what to do that, how to do that, where to go, what to fill out, um, or the determination to do it myself. Um, I want to provide that for other people. And so that's what next first steps will. And even just, um, you know, I being my own attorney for a year, being able to provide a short term attorney legal assistance for someone who just needs help filling out paperwork, mm -hmm. you know, just needs help doing whatever. And so that is my goal long term. Um, I did just end a, and we're still in the process of things, uh, and our trial, which was very consuming, yeah. um, financially and emotionally. Um, it still has some things that are in working, but, um, so that did have to be put back on the back burner for a little while. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I think that that's just so amazing. Um, what is, what is it that like we can do to help you with the next first steps right now? I know you said that, um, you know, kind of fundraising and things like that, but is there anything that we can do right now to help with that? Cause I think that's amazing just to even, I mean, help with the paperwork. I mean, there's stuff that yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't even know where to begin. I know. And I've been so blessed with, um, a friend, a dear friend growing up. Um, she is an accountant and she does all this stuff. So she's been able to help me. We have the paperwork done. We have all of that done. Um, my long-term goal is to be able to have branches of next first steps in each state, little branches where we have an attorney that will get paid. Um, you know, once we burn through, um, pro bono hours, but an attorney's couple attorneys on staff that says, Hey, this person just needs help with paperwork. 
work. Mm -hmm. And then if they can work out in a financial agreement, um, I was blessed with an amazing attorney. You know, I spent $58,000 last year in legal costs. And so I have an attorney that works with me, you know, that, you know, because who can write a check for $58,000 when you're a single mom of three who's not getting support? You know, it's like kind of those things. And so um, I, my long-term goal is to have um, not only in Washington state, but all over where we just have the resources to help people mm-hmm. say, you know, I've had a gal that called me last week and she says, I just was served and I don't even know what to do. And for me to be able to say, you need to go to your, your courthouse, you need to go see if there's um, legal aid help. You're going to need to get in line before 9am. They're going to open up at 9am, get in line at 830. They can't give you legal advice, but they can show you what forms to fill out, what not to sign, what to sign, those kind of things. That's what saved me. So just people Mm -hmm. even knowing that that resource is there. Yeah. Um, You know, the Salvation Army will provide legal care if you can, you know, go and call them and say, I'm in this situation. I need protection orders or I need restraining orders. They will be there. So it's just getting that information out. So I think right now, um, once we're ready to start the fundraising, it would just be to help the fundraising so that we can branch out even more and more. Um, I would love to staff it eventually Mm -hmm. and just have it be, um, where women can call and go and just Mm -hmm. say, what do I do next? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just think that's also wonderful. And, um, Allison, thank you so much for sharing the story. I think, I know that it was really hard and and emotional, but, um, you know, the whole reason is just to help others and what you're already doing. And I just think that you have an amazing story and, you know, you're using your voice for the, you know, the betterment of other people. And, um, I just really, really appreciate it. Thank you. And I appreciate you and your love and support always. You're always so, you support Sophie's nonprofit and you're just always loving and supporting. And just those little like messages and text messages. And I mean, like they save people some days. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Goodness. Of course. Of course. Um, well, I wish I could give you a hug right now. And (laughs) um, but again, thank you so much for joining and, um, we will talk to you soon. Okay. Sounds good. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to episode three of dear past. Thank you. I spoke with Allison after we finished recording and learned so much more about her estranged family. I learned that all but one of her six siblings disowned her, including her parents and some of her closest friends. Relationships and friendships aren't about whom you've known the longest. It's about who came into your life and never left your side. I said in last week's episode that we weren't meant to go at life alone. We need people to do life with, and we need a community of supporters. And sometimes those supporters are strangers. Please stay tuned for part two of Allison's journey. She shares healing tips on how she gets through day-to-day struggles and also shares helpful resources for anyone going through abuse. Please follow Allison on Instagram at next underscore first underscore steps, as well as Allison Eastman to find out more about her community projects, interior design work, and all of the many things she does to support her family. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.